you just be filled, not with fear, but with fire. You go forward and just keep on going. Amen. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Uh, if there's ever been a time in modern day history that God has ever needed a generation to stand and burn for the Lord, to be witnesses and to be lights and to be testimonies, to be sold, it is today. I believe that America is standing at the crossroads. I believe that we're living in perilous times. And now more than ever, God is looking for people who are not going to flee like a bird to the mountain, as we briefly observe from Psalm 11, but people who will trust in the Lord and people who go out for God, a spirit of old-fashioned, reckless abandonment, all in. Amen. It's not time for us to, as the expression goes, I've heard once, someone said it this way, not time for us to give up, to give in or to give out, but to give it all we've got. I like that, don't you? The Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, we're all familiar with the text, many of us, I'm sure, to be steadfast. Means don't shift, don't change, you know? You stay the course, steadfast. As you can see in your mind's eye, Marines or soldiers there in the foxholes and they're holding the position, occupying till the reinforcements come. And Jesus gave the same words of admonition there. I believe it's in Luke 19, 13. To occupy a military term till he comes. To hold the line, to not let the standard and the flag of Zion fall to the ground, but to hasten forward as we sang this morning that old hymn of the faith, O Zion, haste. I love that, amen. Thank you for choosing that and prayerfully selecting that. I haven't heard that in years, but I learned that when I was in sixth grade with the Becca DVD program. Well, it wasn't DVDs, it was VHS. The Becca program and Mr. Howell, that was his favorite hymn, and he loved that thing, and man, it's got an antiquated tune to it, you know, but the words are gripping and fired up, and praise God, it burns something within my heart as just a young boy there, and thank the Lord that God has a purpose and he has a desire for every single one of our lives, and may we desire to follow the Lord. To understand this, this fire that we should have for God and of God is not a fanatical thing. It is a biblical thing. And it is biblically to be fanatic. Amen? To be zealous of good works, not zealous of the world. Man, God would have us to be wise concerning that which is good and simple concerning evil. To trust him, to follow him, to go forward for God. Would you join with me in Matthew chapter number 4? Matthew 4, verse number 19. You'd think that this would be a passage that I'd preach from regularly. I just seek to preach what God would lay upon my heart. And the last time that the Lord had us observe this passage was like two years ago, if I'm not mistaken, in Brazil, Indiana. Uh, I still remember the church and, and the service um, of, not that I keep track of what I preach and when, I just lose track of that, but uh, just, and sometimes, who knows, maybe I'm guilty of re-preaching a message <laughs> I've preached in a church before, but if that's the case, maybe the church needed it twice, you know, uh, because I just want to be very, and maybe I'm crazy, but hypersensitive to what God has. You're not here to listen to me, amen? Uh, we're here to meet with the Lord and to glean from his word, to grow in grace, uh, to burn, and to get on fire for God. I love this verse. And whenever God gives opportunity to let me preach from it, I enjoy this passage of Scripture. Something that God gave me in my devotions a few years ago that I pray will be an encouragement to you uh, and a challenge to us here this morning in Matthew chapter number 4. Look at verse number uh, 19. A familiar text, is it not? 19 and 20. And he, Jesus, saith unto them. Let's read the words together, shall we? Here we go. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The Bible says in verse number 20, and they straightway left their nets and what, church? Lord, we ask that you'd help us this morning. We need help, Lord, every single one of us. There's nothing we can do in and of ourselves to be successful, uh, to accomplish things, or to make a difference, or even to leave, leave a mark. 
uh, to make, leave a legacy, Lord. There's nothing, nothing that can be done. But, Lord, you can do it. God, you can do it, and you want to do it through us and with us and for us. I pray, God, that you would help us to just be very still and focused, attentive. Lord, if there's any heart that's on the fringe of things, that's on the outskirts, Lord, maybe there's someone backslidden. Not that I'm accusing people of that, but, Lord, you know the heart. I mean, it could be a church deacon that's backslidden. I don't even know who the deacons are. Lord, it could be me that's strayed. God, whoever it is, I pray that we would have a hypersensitivity to thee, that you would arrest and captivate our attention. I pray, God, that you would breathe upon our heart, that the fire would burn. Lord, we need your touch, and I pray that heaven would swing low. I pray that you would be very evident to us here today. Would you calm the giddiness of a couple of teenagers in the room? Would you help those, uh, Lord, who may not be in the zone to get in the zone? And God, I pray that we all spiritually would sit on the edge of our seat anticipating to hear from heaven. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the joy of being able to open up our Bibles in freedom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And by the way, over 80% of the world does not have the joy and the freedom of what we have right now that we're experiencing. I'm thankful for that. And also, by the way, every single 12 minutes, someone just like us, a Christian, someone who's saved by the grace of God, is being slain for the very faith that we're reading from and we're holding in our hands. Every single 12 minutes, a Christian is being martyred for the faith in the 21st century. I'm thankful for our Bible. I'm thankful for our freedoms. And I'm thankful that we get to live for the Lord. And we find here, just jumping right into the deep end, so to speak, for the sake of time, because the clock doesn't stand still, all right? The only way it could is if we turned off all the cell phones, we collected all the watches and the offering plate, and we went ahead and pulled the plug on that one-eyed monster right up there, amen? Time does not stand still, okay? Uh, But as we hasten into this, and I pray that you would speed along with me, all right? He says, follow me. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. God is saying here, the Lord coming by to these men and to these people, he's saying, come on, come hither. Uh, Come on and step out of your comfort zone and step beyond the ordinary and step beyond and step over and step past the familiar and step up to the plate and step out and step up to experience the unconventional and the heavenly and the supernatural and the extraordinary. Come on, follow me. Don't miss out. Every single Christian, God is calling to come. You know, it's interesting, God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't play favorites. God doesn't have favoritism, even, where he decides to bless one over another just because of who you are. God does not participate in that, but he does favor people. And he favors those who will trust and obey who will live for him, who understand that there is a choice that needs to be made. And right here, they were at the crossroads. These men, as Jesus spoke to them, I believe that same clarion call is being resounded in the heart of every bosom here this morning from the youngest to the oldest to continue to daily follow him, to not turn your back on Jesus, but rather to turn your back on the world and take the world, but give me Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though come what may, the difficulties and the hardships and the trials and the tribulations. God has my heart and I'm going to keep following him no matter what. Follow me, he says, and I will make you fishers of men. God's design, God's desire, God's goal of us following him is to be like him. He wants to transform us. He wants to make us, make you. Making something is a process. It's not an abracadabra, just snap your fingers and whatever with a hocus pocus, and all of a sudden, boom, it's done. 
No, but when my boys unpack boxes of Legos that they love to buy with their money or whatever, and they uh, sit there, Jonathan just turned six years old, and he's just got a genius, uh, I, well, I'm a little biased, of a mind being, you know, kind of like his grandpa, my dad, an engineer, and even as just a little boy, I mean, it could be four to 600 pieces, but uh, he would politely uh, turn away your help because he wants to do it on his own. And what is he doing? He's following the steps, and he's making something. It's not something that just happens at a snap of a finger or a push of a button, as we've already mentioned here in passing, but it's something in which it takes time. It takes time, and God is seeking to transform us. God is seeking to mold us. God is seeking to make every single one of us, and what is he desiring to make us into? He wants us to become fishers of men. He wants us to become people who are burning and burdened with the lost and reaching this whole world with the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He is not willing. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but for all to come come to repentance. He would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And I'm thankful for that this morning. But in order for the work to be accomplished, we must follow him because he's making us and molding us because he specifically wants to use us to reach the lost. I mean, think about that. The supernatural privilege that we have and the glorious opportunity we have to point people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and to show people and to shine under people and to share with people and to sing the good news that there is hope and we have the answer. We have the message of love and of peace and of contentment of everything. It's found in Jesus Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life uh, that in the Bible from cover to cover everything we need to successfully and effectively live life can be found right here, chapter and verse. Praise God. This whole world deserves to know about Jesus Christ. Okay, let's step back for a moment. What button did you have to push to be born in America? Put that one in the back of your mind. Meditate on it. Like pot in the back burner, letting it boil down, you know? So you can soak up all that stuff. But also, to stop and think about the privilege that we've had to have a clear presentation of the gospel. Remember the day that you got saved? We mentioned that very briefly as we started in the Sunday school hour. The day that you got saved, the joy that filled and flooded your heart knowing your sins were forgiven, that you were going to heaven, and how that that is not a hope so or a maybe, but it is the promise of God. It's the bedrock of scripture. We know that God cannot lie, and he has given unto us the promise of eternal life. And Jesus said, no man can pluck thee out. You are in the center of my hand, and nothing can separate you from the love of God. Don't you think a lost and dying world deserves to have that exact same chance? I believe there could be an accurate observation as we just kind of shift gears and continue to move forward, and maybe we won't finish thoughts neatly and nicely as we preach this week. That's okay. None of us want to be spoon-fed. We're, we're adults, amen? So listen, God is trying to speak to you. Listen to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Uh, write it down, uh, you know, things that God is trying to teach you. I encourage people to have a pen and paper, not because of stuff I'm saying, but stuff God is trying to teach you. Meditate on it. Have pens tonight. Be prepared. Use a cell phone if you have to. I don't encourage young people to do that, all right, just in case you might get a little distracted, okay? But, man, take notes. Absorb these things. Truth, edification, fire, things that we can get and gleam. Why? So we can grow. We can glow. Amen. Christians on fire for God, faithfully following, fervently following the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian life is, should be an all-consuming thing. Coming to church is not just something that I check off a list. Now, it's the pinnacle of a week, amen, being together. Reading my Bible is not something I check off a list. 
going through my devotions and praying and all these things is not just this checklist. God, have mercy on us. If it is a ritualism, if it is a formalism, no, it is a lifestyle, amen? I am a child of God, and I should be daily sensitive to follow him. Lord, what would you have me to say? What would you have me to do? God, uh, should I do this today? Should I engage in that? Uh, Lord, how would you guide my steps? Where would you have me fill up my vehicle with gas? Where should I eat lunch today? Say, man, that's, that's a little crazy and weird. Well, the Bible says whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do. Do all to the glory of God, and furthermore, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. God should be guiding us in everything we do. Why? Oh, you're going to spiritualize it. I'm just biblicizing it. Why? Because there might be some of that gas pump that you can reach. That attendant, well, in Oregon, I don't know if they do that in Washington. Okay, all right. It, I, that was weird. But, you know, I wasn't used to it because it's like, it's cool, though, because there's symmetry. And you say, what do you mean? Well, it happens in New Jersey. So it's like from sea to shining sea, you know? That was kind of cool. I like that. Um, anyway, that was random. But you fill up your vehicle with gas. You can get gospel tracts. You can insert it there into the gas pump handle or maybe there in the credit card reader and such. And being a witness and, and as you're going about to Walmart, you know, Lord, who are the people that you would have me to interact with? I know that we've got this COVID crisis and things, but people are starting to get past some of this hype. And, and we've got the masks in there with a, even though I can't, they can't see the smile, I'll smile, smile with my eyes and there'll be a twinkle in my eye. Oh, Lord, that when they look at me and make eye contact with me. They understand that the light is on and someone's home, that there's a fire burning down deep within. And I want to share with them what has changed my life and what has transformed my life. Uh, you who are and who is my life. That's what the Bible says in Colossians 3, that we are to seek those things which are above that we are to set our own affections and our own intentions and our own dreams and goals and ambitions, throw it in the trash and take it out to the dumpster, set it on fire and say, oh God, my dreams, my goals, my ambitions, instead of me rushing into your presence, into your presence with a list and there an X and a line at the bottom of the page in which I want your stamp of approval and I want your signature, I want your confirmation of what I think is best. Lord, I come humbly broken sincere, nervous, in faith. And Lord, on the top of this list, it says, look at it, my goals, my dreams, my ambitions. One to 10, or however many numbers, but it's all blank. And I'm gonna say, sign my name at the bottom, and I want you to fill in the rest. That's what following Christ is. And that is a struggle with millennials. And furthermore, that's a struggle with American Christians. If I may be radically honest, I suppose brutally honest too, right? But it can become that way because we have so much. We've been blessed with a lot of stuff and praise God from whom all blessings flow. I love the doxology, by the way. I mean, if you sing it like a high church person, you're gonna, it's gonna be dead. Just sing the song from your heart, amen? Anyway, but praise God. Every good gift, every perfect thing cometh down from above. I mean, he's the one that gives us the power to be able to get wealth, the Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy, the physical strength and the mental wherewithal, the physical capacity to be able to go out and to work a job and to enjoy the good of all our labor. This is a gift of God, Ecclesiastes says. We might talk about and refer to that later on in the week. But what a blessing. It ain't for me, it's all from him. But we must understand that to whom much is given, much is required. 
And could it be just a little seed thought of something that we can meditate upon as we continue forth in the week? That could it be that God has gloriously and wondrously blessed us with much in this country? So much can be done and much can be given for God's kingdom to go forward, for Satan to be defeated, for the church to continue to march, for the great commission to be fulfilled, for God to use us in a glorious way to reach a lost and dying world with the gospel. I mean, I remember as a kid, teenager, I don't know what the statistic is now. I probably should look. Maybe someone knows it and you'll share with it with me later. And that's not me dropping a hint that I'm lazy and I'm not going to look and I expect you to give me the answer, all right? But I heard as a kid, maybe you're familiar with this, that if each one reached one, every single, you know what I'm talking about? Every single person just simply led one soul to Jesus Christ every single year and just obeyed the black and white text of the Bible leading them to the Lord, encouraging them to get baptized, to join Team Jesus publicly and proudly, saying, I identify with the Lord, taking that first step of obedience, amen, and then teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. All that we would have good discipleship programs and good curriculum where it's not just on the pastor's shoulders. It's not his job to disciple the people you lead to the Lord. And I don't mean to get in everybody's face. I mean, that's the farthest thing I ever want to do. <laughs> it puts me in an awkward position when I, I'm, I have to say something because the Lord is pressing me to say it. So please don't take it the wrong way. When is the last time that you discipled someone? When is the last time that you spiritually invested in another? That you sought to be that encouragement, to be that edifier, to provoke, we should, one another. Uh, it's talking about a positive thing, provoking one another, the good works, that we would encourage one another even as we see the day approaching, amen? And that's talking about in the book of Hebrews, of course, being in church, but this, the lettuce patch, that's there. There's a whole lettuce patch. Let us do this, let us do that. Uh, and one of them is let us encourage one another, and we're doing all of these lettuce things, all right, for you vegetarian lovers, and that's me, I love salad, all right, but I like meat too. But that we are going to, as we see the day approaching, ever increase in the intensity to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know, the devil knows that his end is coming, and as he sees the day approaching, he ever increases in his vehemency. Come on. Where he is upping up, he's upping the ante. The furnace is being turned up seven times hotter. Even now, we're on the fringes of America. We're experiencing persecution of religious liberty and the things that we hold dear. Come on. Churches on the East Coast being fined, constrained, even uh, the godless mob out the doors, chanting and screaming and cursing the vulgarities, not even letting in women and children from being able to go in and simply do what we're doing this morning. It's happening in the United States of America as we speak. In California, other places, even there in the uh, uh, center of the country in Chicago, other epicenter stuff is happening. But regardless of what takes place, I don't see an asterisk next to this verse with details at the bottom of the page in fine print. God just says, follow me. The ups and downs, the twists and the turns, the hard times and the good times. And, and it, you know, if you look here, this pulpit is not wide enough, by the way. This is tough. And it's also short. That's why I'm, I'm glad I, it's not because of you. And I never once said that you were short. But it's, this is so, this is a gap difference. And I don't want to have to preach like this the whole time. Amen. I want to preach with this right here. All right, is everybody okay? Some of you are starting to fall asleep, so I wanted to make sure that you were there. 
What, what, is, what is he saying? Yes, good to have you back. Amen. Let's refocus, shall we? Okay. Because there are going to be times. Look at verse number three of, of Matthew 5. All right. He's talking about the poor, the poor in spirit. Verse number four, those that mourn. Verse number five, the meek. The things which do, and the people which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, and the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. Notice in verse number 10, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Verse number 11, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake, rejoice, he says, or get fired up. Do some mental and spiritual and emotional cartwheels so pumped and exhilarated that God has allowed you to be persecuted for the faith. Christian life is, he says, follow me, but he never said it would be easy. He tells us of the the sweet things, but also the, from a physical standpoint, the sour things, being persecuted, reviled. People look at you and like, Ugh. you know, sorry, put you on the hot seat doing that, all right? But it's true. And sometimes, uh, uh, if we're not careful as Christians, we uh, simply have a desire to follow God when everything is good, but we need to follow God, uh, come what may. And I know that this is easier preached than lived, easier said than lived, but it still needs to be said. It still needs to be preached. It still needs to be meditated upon. But we must understand that following Christ, as he says in another passage of Scripture, uh, that take up your cross and follow me. That doesn't sound easy. That sounds like I'm going to get splinters. That sounds like I'm going to break out in a sweat. That sounds like I'm going to bleed a little bit. I'm going to suffer. How long am I supposed to carry this thing? Well, just, just for 30 minutes, and then you'd be good for that, for the day. No, for the rest of my life. It's a lot to take in. The gospel is a bloody religion. We want Christi the Christian life to be that of ease and success. To enjoy the blessings of heaven, which they are, and I'm thankful that God gives us ease, comfort, strength, and power, even in the hardest of moments. And he gives us blessings. All of us in this room, the, the poorest person in this room is wealthy compared to the world standards. I don't think there's anybody poor in here. We might be in a financial strait at different times, but God will always take care of the people who faithfully follow him. I've been young and now I'm old, David said, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. But God is always good, and God is only good, and God will continue to do that wonderful, providing work in our lives. But could it be that Christians in 21st century America want, in all reality, let's take off the mask. Come on. I, that was, I didn't expect that pun, sorry. And take off the sheet, if you will, and reveal the real heart of the matter. And the elephant in the room, if you will, in many Christians across America. I don't know if it's something that we need to, uh, uh, that's convicting us per se. I, I, I pray that we'll embrace conviction. If, it, if we're convicted of this, I, I pray that if it's just an exhortation, that we will take it to heart and say, yes, Lord, yes, help me to stay faithful. Thank you for reminding me of this so I can keep the main thing the main thing. But could it be yanking the sheet off and exposing it for what it really is that we want to live a pacifist Christianity? We want effortless lives of spiritual ease and mediocrity. 
But Jesus said to go the second mile. He commanded us to take up our cross and follow him in submission. We are to fight the good fight and your hardness as a good soldier to earnestly contend for the faith. We are to labor for our risen Savior. Our dedication and motivation should be anywhere, Lord Jesus, use me to reach anyone, to do anything at any cost. Yes, it's going to cost us to live for Jesus. It cost them something, didn't it? But it will cost us more if we don't. And the stuff that it would cost us to not live for Jesus, that stuff, it's irrelevant, it's temporal, and it's meaningless. May God give us conviction and courage. May God give us character and grits and guts. People that are passionate to go all out for the gospel and for his glory. A fire and energy and excitement. Christianity is to be a life of sacrifice. Follow me. Christianity is to be a life of surrender. Follow me. Christianity is to be a life of service. Follow me. Not one who's seeking success. It's interesting here when, are you still with me? Would you say amen? God says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, I I suppose an observation that we could see here evident in the the passage. And it's, it's very convicting. If we're not fishing, we're not following. And if we're not following, we're not fishing. And people can deceive themselves into saying, yeah, I'm following God, but are you really? Because as James said, and kind of in 21st century vernacular, what my dad would say from Brooklyn, New York, put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, your talk talks, great, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. He used to say that too, and he had a thick accent. I think that's why he enjoyed saying that statement, because it really was accentuated, you know? But it's true. And James said the same thing. You say you have faith, prove it. Show me your works. You say you're following Jesus Christ, how are you fishing? Now, of course, when you go fish, it's not like you put the line on the water and all of a sudden they're literally jumping out. Yes, give me the hook. I want to be your lunch, you know. Hi, no. Sometimes you go all day and you get nothing. But there's a faithfulness there. And you keep on going. Why? Because you're bound and determined to get something. Amen. By the way, I want to go where the fish are biting. That shouldn't be us shirking the responsibility of reaching people who are hard, but that we should pray for all men to be saved. But if someone wants to stand at the door and argue for an hour, you know, buddy, I, I, I need to go to the next door because there might be somebody there. There's so many, so many minutes in a day, so many hours in a day. I'm going to come back and visit you. We have things in its proper place and perspective. Amen? But that... We understand that God says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And for us to deceive ourselves and to convince ourselves, yeah, I'm following God, but we passed out how many tracks this week? When's the last time that we cracked open our Bible and we actually showed someone how to be saved? We actually posted something on social media trying to encourage our friends and family to know about the Lord and appoint people to Jesus. I'm talking about using every single tool at our disposal. Amen. And being sensitive to the Lord's leading, saying, God, as I go into Walmart, who are the three people that I could talk to? 
I've got three tracks right here. Is there someone that, as I'm there at the steak counter, right, guys, or the salad counter? I like a good salad, all right? We travel for a living, and you can get carved out real quickly, all right? There's a lot of salt in food, so I like to eat salads and stuff. And as I'm there, Lord, who is it that I could, as I'm shopping, that comes along my path? Is it a worker? Is it someone else that's looking along the same area? God, help me to lift up my eyes, to stop being so self-centered, and look. Look on the fields and let that overwhelm me, realizing there are went into the harvest. What does that mean? Does anybody know what that means, by the way? I'm not going to call on you to give the answer, but do you know exactly what it means? Raise it up in the air, high over your head, that it is white under harvest. Raise it up. Okay? And don't feel ashamed if you can. It's, it's fine. That's talking about the fruit is literally about to fall off the vine. And if you don't get it right now, you come back tomorrow, it's going to be on the ground and spoiled. God's saying, hey, this is serious. This is legit. Understand that they, they could perish today, tonight. There may not be a tomorrow. While I give you the opportunity and the appointment right now, don't shirk it, but desire it and long for it and pray for it. And if we follow the Lord, he will make us fishers of men. And I believe people who are following the Lord and they are sensitive to the Lord, walking with God in cadence, continuing instant in prayer in the back of their minds, though they interact with other people and have conversations and go about their day, they're constantly in communication with the Lord. Amen? I believe that God will bring souls across your path. And it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? My wife and, you know, I'm not, God forbid it to talk about us, but, but she, she took the kids to the park the other day and she said, you know, while we were there, I mean, think of all the parks that they could go to, you know? Think of all the time throughout the day they could go. But it was this moment at this time. Yeah, I believe that I should go. We should go to the park now. So I believe my wife, who walks more with the Lord than I do, great inspiration to me. I love my wife. She said, I, we're going to go to this park over here. They went. No, she was not able to lead someone to the Lord, but she was able to meet a, a mother there with a couple of her children. She was a Muslim lady. And she was asking questions. Now, where's she going to find a Muslim bride? Where's she going to find answers? What church, if her husband found out, could she attend? Come on, let's, let's look at it realistically. What number can she call in the phone book? Where do you even begin with Christianity? Because 9.5 times out of 10, you're going to call a church that it ain't the right one. The devil has done a good job at infiltrating and corrupting. We must understand here this morning that God has handpicked us and chosen us. And he has looked you squarely in the eyes and made contact with you and said, you got a choice. Come on. Follow me. Follow me. My wife was able to give her, and this sounds like a commercial break, and it's not, but she, she gave her one of our gospel film cards. I encourage you to grab one of these, and if you have a smartphone, scan that QR code. We also have the banner out there, or you can call this number and listen to the audio presentation of that uh, and things, a 14-minute cinematic presentation of the gospel. Uh, we released uh, four months ago yesterday, amen, and we're at the cusp of two million views globally. It's been exciting to see what God has been doing. Within the past 24 hours, eight souls, their names have been written down in glory, as we sang about in Sunday school. Amen. And someone who watches this, I am confident that if they listen to the Lord and they accept what God says, they will pray and trust Christ. 
not because of our presentation, though we sought to make it as cinematic as possible, but because it's the Word of God that illuminates. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that draws people unto himself in his love, and it's the Holy Spirit of God that convicts their need for that Savior, amen? And it's overwhelming, the people that have reached out, even the past 24 hours, uh, saying things, and beautiful, amen, thank God! We need to be witnessing. That's why we're here. The question is, are we witnessing? Are you still with me? Would you say amen? We're through in just a moment. Verse number 20, that's a very long introduction, the shortest message that you'll ever hear, uh, outline rather. Verse number 20, notice, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. You know what I see here? Application, observation. I see here, number one, that they straightway left their nets or they directly followed him. I jotted this down in the margin of my Bible here. I also have some notes and things that are not, uh, the pulpit cannot fit, so I'll just set it up there. Amen? Just kind of do that. Make it awkward for everybody here for a moment. Is that okay? (laughs) But directly, amen, straightway. It wasn't something in which they decided to think about it for a while. There was no delays, no distractions, no deviations. Amen? They straightway followed Christ. Now, we all love it. When the young people hear this kind of preaching, you know, they need to go to youth conference or youth camp or that rally, you know, and hear preaching about go all out for Jesus Christ and surrender your life to the Lord. What about the rest of us? Has there ever been a day in your life in which you specifically surrendered your life and your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ? Maybe you've crawled off of that altar of submission and sacrifice in its time. I'm talking about 40-year-olds in this room. I'm talking about 70-year-olds in this room. I'm talking about 30-year-olds and everybody in between, people in this room, that we need to resurrender our life to the Lord, amen? And that we would just swallow our pride and our arrogance, you know? We can become so filled with ourselves. I'll be the first to acknowledge that. So filled with ourselves, and what other people gonna think? Man, just surrender, give your life to God. Follow Jesus, make that decision in your heart, privately and passionately, but also don't be ashamed to publicly share with others that I am going to follow Christ, and it's gonna be a straightway thing. Directly follow him. I believe that many Christians are lingering, yea, even guilty of loitering on the corners of Ho-Hum Road and Easy Street. There's actually a church in Greenville, South Carolina. Bethel Calvary Baptist Church, Pastor Shoemaker. Their church is on Easy Street. <laughs> and I, I don't use that against them. They, they love the Lord and they're on fire for God. But maybe when they pull down that street every single time they pull into their church, they see that and say, oh, Lord, help me not to, you know. <laughs> eh, silly, I know. But comfort, conveniences, And complacency are often the greatest hindrances to a greater commitment for Christ and his holy cause. We are to go onward as Christian soldiers, marching to war. Someone that is resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delights, but they have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. I don't know if you're familiar with the name of C.T. Studd. Is anybody familiar with C.T. Studd? He made the statement, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And Lord willing, we'll revisit that, that thought later this week if God gives liberty. But there, he turned his back on fame and fortune, being a world-renowned cricket player and a household name. And little boys just love desiring to grow up and be like a Charles Studd there. Uh, so athletic, the Michael Jordan of his day, but he turned his back on all of that, giving his life to God. He was led to the Lord in his dad's backyard underneath a tree by D.L. Moody, the evangelist. For a few months, he ran from God, but then he became ultra-convicted that he was running from the Lord. 
God was saying, follow me, and he was saying no, and he was absolutely miserable. Well, now, older in his life, and just a fantastic story. We have a little pamphlet about his life. It's just, it's, I love his story. He's just, he was on fire. He was a radical guy. Amen. And we need a little bit of that again today. Amen. But he said this. Listen to this. This is powerful. He said, too long, in his diary, too long have we been waiting for one another to begin. I like that. The time for waiting has passed. The hour of God has struck. War is declared. In God's holy name, let us arise and build. The God of heaven, he will fight for us as we for him. We will not build on the sand, but on the bedrock of the sayings of Christ, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. The doors of the world have been opened wide to us by our God. When shall God be able to say to the devil, Hast thou seen my Christians of today? No longer do they seek for gold or pleasure, for honors or ease. From henceforth, my Christians will spill their blood for the love and cause of my beloved Son and the salvation of the neediest of men. Yes, when? When indeed shall we see a real church here upon the earth? We pray and preach. We sing triumphantly. We are optimists, everyone. We shout onward, Christian soldiers marching as to war, but then... But then we whisper, I pray thee, have me excused. What glorious humbugs we are. Christ's call is not to build and furnish comfortable churches or cathedrals at home in which to rock Christians to sleep by means of clever essays, stereotype prayers, or artistical music performances, but to raise living churches of souls among the destitute, to capture them from the devil's clutches and snatch them from the very jaws of hell. I like that, don't you? There's just something radical about this that stirs my heart because this is the same type of spirit that God says when he says, follow me. Come on! And we go forward. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. It means that hell is gonna throw everything it can against us, but it ain't gonna win. Got a bad news for you. The devil's never gonna quit, but the good news is the devil will never win. God have mercy on us as Christians in this country today if we are not directly following Christ? Could it be that we have become pacifistic, if you will, if that's a word. I don't know if that's the right form of the word, but you understand the concept, the idea. God is not looking for a half-hearted Christianity, but a whole-hearted Christianity. And we see, secondly, quickly, not only did they directly follow him, but number two, drastically followed him. They straightway what? Left their nets. This is a big deal right? They're leaving behind their occupations, leaving behind the nets, leaving behind the comforts and the convenience and the complacency, drastically following God. I'm not saying that everybody needs to surrender to go into the ministry in that sort of term. I don't know what the specific will of God is for your life. Maybe it is to be an engineer or an electrician or an accountant, or whatever it is that you are, a caregiver, provider, insurance agent, so many things, police officer, involved with some of the different things like a fireman or a nurse or a doctor, I don't know. But God is not looking for a doctor who just so happens to be a full-time Christian. He's looking for a full-time Christian who just so happens to be a doctor. And God's not looking for a pastor who just so happens to be a full-time Christian, evangelist who just so happens to be, listen, just because we're in full-time ministry in that occupation doesn't mean that we're better than anybody else. Because we put our britches on the same way. Amen. 
We need to be full-time Christians, and it just so happens to be that God has called us into these different places. And God has handpicked you, and he's hand-selected you and me and ordained us. Providentially and supernaturally, placing us strategically. And that is where we can reach a lost and dying world with the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Are we willing to drastically leave behind the comforts and say, I will go beyond my comfort zone and I will follow Christ and I will do whatever it is that he calls me or tells me to do. Now, the Lord might just call you into full-time ministry. I think about my dad, an engineer for many, many years for the Department of Transportation for New York State. But then at the age of 53, how many of you are in your 50s? Well, maybe I shouldn't ask that question. How many of the men are in their 50s? Raise your hand. <laughs> okay. 53 years old, God called him to preach. <laughs> Took an early retirement at the age of 55, traveled across the country, passing out tracks at local events and parades and sometimes NCAA basketball games and things like that. Remember when the Olympics was at the, in Salt Lake City? Years, this is like 20 years ago or whatever. He was there passing out tracks. God may call you into that. You're never too old to be called to preach. For 17 years, he crisscrossed the country up to the Lord called him home. I preached his funeral a couple years back. From his own hands, the Lord used him to pass out 1.25 million gospel tracts. God used his, him and his New Testament that I, I, have you seen the gospel film? Okay, I'll share that with you later. But if you watch the gospel film, the New Testament that I have in my hand, that's my dad's. I like that. It's just kind of like one of those Easter eggs. The young people will get that, right? Uh, in, in there uh, and thing. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, very good. Uh, and just kind of the, one of those little behind-the-scene type stuff. That Bible, God used him to lead 134 people shy of 10,000. 17 years. Never too old to serve the Lord. There is no excuse. <laughs> Even for those who cannot physically get out and about, there's still no excuse. Because there are ample opportunities with the wonderful, I mean, it's so wonderful. Never once in the history of the world have we had so much at our disposal at being able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And lastly, we see here, the Bible says, they straightway left their nets and followed him. Directly followed him, drastically followed him, diligently followed him. Say, what do you mean by that? Are you just trying to manipulate it to get a third point that alliterates? I rarely have sermons that alliterate. Half the time they're not. That's fine. But you know, what's interesting here is this word followed. Look at it, verse number 20. That word followed is a different New Testament Greek word than from the one that was given in verse number 19. Both mean follow. It was accurately and perfectly translated. Amen. And the King James Version is the word of God for the English-speaking people. The voice is slightly different. The voice in verse number 19 is to follow. Come on, let's go, step forward, yes. That pep rally sensation of like, come on, you know. But then verse number 20, this word follow, it's a different Greek word. It means this, to join one as his attendant, to accompany, to journey with, to follow. This means diligently. They're following the Lord, but I am his and he is mine. You cannot separate me from God. We are glued, inseparable, joined at the hip, if you will. Where he goes, I go. And as I go forward, I know he's there with me too. 
diligently following the Lord. In all as God's people here this morning, as we think about this, may we understand that following Christ is not a ritualism or a formality. It is not to be a haphazard, hit-or-miss thing. It is to be a daily, fervent, passionate, radical thing where I am joined to Christ. Lord, what would you have me to say? What would you have me to do? How would you have me to interact and influence others? Lord, I am going to follow you and what you say and how you'd have me to say it and how you'd have me to do it, I will do it. I think it's time that we stop arguing with God. I think it's time for us as Christians in America to swallow our pride, for us to shirk the humanistic approach of reading the Bible, of let me see what the Bible says and then I'm going to go ahead and apply what I think is best as we've already mentioned a couple of times here this this morning. No, but we are people who are diligent. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. We know that's true, isn't it? Well, let's do it. You know, that same hymn was the very one. I conclude with this. I'll close my Bible to signify that we're winding up. Amen, that's always a good sign. But you know, I found out about three weeks ago that that was the exact same hymn that was being sung in invitation when my mom came forward to trust in the Lord. My dad got saved at 32 out of a life of drugs and alcohol. My mom was a dancer for the Rockettes, Jackie Gleason and things, and uh, very risque. God saved him out of a wicked lifestyle. My mom testifies, she's from New Jersey, that when she came to church, she came out of defiance. Dad was dragging her along. Dad had gotten saved before mom did at the church. Long story. In brief, she came and she sat on the back row and she had her arms crossed the whole time. If you've ever met my mom, she can have a stare. I mean, it'll bore holes through you. I'm telling you, it'll make grown men uncomfortable. I'm serious. And she would be literally falling out of her seat laughing if she was present with us this morning. And I said that. That's not out of disrespect. You just got to know my mom, Italian lady, half Italian, and uh, takes heavily after the Italian side. (laughs) Anyway, but as that hymn was being sung, God melted her heart. And she said what the preacher said was right. And as she stepped into the aisle and walked forward, tears streaming down her cheeks, She said, I was ashamed. I was wearing the shortest miniskirt that you could ever find because I wanted to make everybody uncomfortable. But God loved her, and God loved her unto himself. If it wasn't for Jesus, I literally would not be standing here. I believe that. My parents' marriage would have never survived. I don't say that in jest from their own testimony. I'm only here because of the grace of God. There were those who were willing to follow Christ. My parents were willing to follow Christ. Daily we must decide, and I'm choosing the way of truth, choosing him to be my life. He is the way, and he is going to have my whole heart. May that be my testimony to my dying day. What about you? Are you directly following Christ? Are you playing around messing and playing games? Come on! Have you drastically followed the Lord? Are you diligently, daily, in the details, following Christ? Heavenly Father, please help us now in invitation. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'd like for my wife to come. Would you softly play the piano, sweetheart? Let's, let's, have, let's play that song, uh, Burning for Thee.